I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. friends and welcome back to another episode of the Sacktown Royalty Show. I am your host Tony Sipteris and I've got a short solo trade deadline emergency podcast for you today. No guest, just me for a few minutes talking about what the Kings did at the trade deadline. We are 58 minutes past the deadline as of this recording and the Kings did so many things. They completely changed how they're going to look on the court and in the locker room over the last 24 hours and I just wanted to get something up on the internet in audio form um, about this deadline. Because, man, what a what a 24 hours for the Sacramento Kings. For the better, I think. I don't think that's debatable um, from, the, from an on-court standpoint. I think what the Kings did over the last 24 hours was clearly an upgrade on the court. There are some very legitimate question marks about how that locker room is going to look moving forward without the leadership of Iman Shumpert. And I think we should probably just start there because that was the first trade that came down um, late last night, right before tip-off. The Kings, of course, if you're listening to this show, you're probably aware of how the Kings-Rockets game went last night. They got blown out by the Rockets, which would kind of be expected even if they had Iman Shumpert and even if the trade deadline wasn't kind of looming over their head. But just before tip-off, it was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski that the Kings were involved in a three-team deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Houston Rockets. And there were other pieces moving around between those two teams. But for what's relevant for the Kings, they traded Iman Shumpert. Iman Shumpert went to the Houston Rockets, and the Kings received Alec Burks from the Cleveland Cavaliers and a late second-round pick from the Houston Rockets. Talent for talent... Alec Burks is a better player than Iman Shumpert. He's younger. Shumpert was trending down. Shumpert's shot had fallen off a cliff, particularly his uh, three-point shot. I think, you know, I looked up the numbers a few days ago. Over the last 20 games, he was shooting something like 34% from the field and still getting 27 minutes a night. Just inefficient offensive player. He was still bringing it, though, on defense, and he was still bringing it in the locker room. And the immediate concern when this trade was announced was that, you know, the Kings really kind of made a minor move here. Like, I can sit here and say that Alec Burks is better than Shumpert, but I don't think it's by a by a huge margin. And you could argue that losing Shumpert's locker room presence is not worth the talent increase that you get with Alec Burks. They're, they're close enough where you can say, despite the fact that Shumpert might be an older player and a, a more injury-prone player and a guy who's already kind of starting to break down in terms of his production, that... Keeping him on the roster is worth it for his chemistry alone and that the upgrade you're getting from Alec Burks is just not great enough to mess with what the Kings have going right now because they've got a great thing going. They're right in that eight seed conversation. They're about a game back and the Clippers in this same crazy 24 to 48 hours dumped Tobias Harris on the Philadelphia 76ers. I shouldn't say dumped because they got a pretty good return from the Sixers for Tobias Harris. But the point is, the Clippers had basically conceded the eight seed, leaving it between the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers to kind of duke it out during the next 30 or so games to figure out who would get that last playoff spot. 
and seeing the Clippers kind of say they're out and they don't want the eight seed anymore. They're going to try and keep their draft pick. They're going to try and, you know, make a bigger splash in free agency than keeping Tobias Harris would. You could look at that before the Harrison Barnes trade and say, man, the Kings are really risking messing up their chemistry when that eight seed is so available. Now that the Clippers kind of backed off and it looked like the Anthony Davis trade to the Lakers was never going to happen. And now, of course, we know that it didn't happen. And there was some fair skepticism that trading Burks for Shumpert was just not a smart move. But fast forward to today, and we find out that the Kings have acquired Harrison Barnes for Zach Randolph and Justin Jackson. And acquiring a player like Harrison Barnes makes Iman Shumpert even more expendable than maybe he was before. Because the expectation is that Harrison Barnes will slide into the starting lineup and start where Iman Shumpert was starting at small forward. And Alec Burks will take whatever backup uh, wing slash guard minutes are available now that Justin Jackson is no longer in Sacramento. And despite my reservations about Harrison Barnes as a player, I do think this is kind of a no-brainer move for the Sacramento Kings. They desperately needed a small forward, a wing, with size, with the ability to match up with guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron James and Tobias Harris and all the other big wings around the NBA. And that's not to say that I expect Harrison Barnes to stop those guys because I don't, but they just needed somebody that fit that profile of a 6'8 wing. He can play out on the perimeter. He can play small ball four. And that is Harrison Barnes. The problem with Harrison Barnes is he's been a pretty inefficient offensive player since the Dallas Mavericks signed him. He was a lot more efficient in Golden State, where he played primarily out on the wing. In Dallas, he was tasked with being their primary scorer. And in Golden State, he was the third option at best behind go-to scorers like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Having those guys on the roster really made Harrison Barnes the role player that he should be. And Dallas signed him hoping he could be more. And the more touches and the more responsibilities he got in Dallas, he saw his efficiency dip. His three-point shooting stayed strong, which is a huge reason why the Kings acquired Harrison Barnes. If Harrison Barnes wasn't a very good three-point shooter, I don't think it'd be a great fit for this roster at all. But his shooting, taking nothing else into account, his shooting is going to be a help and an upgrade over what Iman Shumpert was giving the Kings in the starting lineup. But there are reasons to be concerned that Harrison Barnes isn't a great fit for this roster. He's a notorious ball stopper if you talk to any anyone that covers the Mavs or follows, or, or if you follow any uh, Mavs beat writers or bloggers on Twitter, that's the first thing that they say about Harrison Barnes is that he stops the ball. And for how the Kings play and how unselfish that starting lineup has played and how selfish really that entire roster is, adding someone who, you know, I'm hesitant to call him selfish because that word has such a, I don't know, that word sounds more harsh than than maybe what I'm saying is. Um, he just doesn't, he's not a very good passer. And he never has been. He was better in Golden State. I looked up some numbers before recording and shortly after the Harrison Barnes trade was announced. And in the interest of not just listing off a bunch of numbers on a podcast, because I don't think that's a great way to make a point, he passes at about the same rate as Marvin Bagley. And for a player who plays primarily in the post like Marvin Bagley, his passing is unacceptable. Now you're taking that unacceptable passing and you're putting that out on the wing in Harrison Barnes. And I think there's some legitimate concern there that having a guy like Harrison Barnes 
if his usage rate doesn't go way down, that could be an issue with how great and free-flowing and fast and dynamic the Kings offense has looked for most of the season. I should also mention that Harrison Barnes has a $25 million player option for next season, so if things don't go how we all want them to, the Kings may only have Barnes for a few months here before he opts out and becomes an unrestricted free agent this summer. But I could also see Harrison Barnes and the Kings really making this relationship work and Harrison Barnes opting out so he could then sign a longer-term deal with the Kings in free agency. But I guess my my overall take on the Harrison Barnes move is that Vade made a, a really good play here. A good gamble. A gamble, but a good gamble. A strong gamble that the the risk is low. Either Harrison Barnes, who has all the talent to be a perfect fit, he has the talent to do it. I don't know if it will work out because in the NBA, sometimes these things just don't work out. And Harrison Barnes, with his play in Dallas, has given you plenty of reasons to question if it will work out. But that doesn't negate Vlade Divac's trade here. What, what the Kings did, I think, was a, a really smart gamble in getting a player that's young enough, like Harrison Barnes, to fit the Kings' timeline moving forward if he is a good fit. And if he's not a good fit... The risk is pretty low. You gave up Zach Randolph, who, who wasn't even playing, and Justin Jackson, who I like, but I don't think he'll ever be as good as Harrison Barnes. But I hope I'm not sounding too negative on the move. Um, I, I do think there are, are legitimate questions about Harrison Barnes and his fit in this offense, but I am pretty optimistic that it will work out, and, and it's easy to see the path of how the Kings get there. What they need Harrison Barnes to do is take kind of a backseat, play more like Golden State Warriors version of Harrison Barnes. And by all accounts, from the people in Dallas, he's a hard worker and, and a really great guy in the locker room. And generally speaking, Dave Yeager and this coaching staff has been able to get the most out of players who fit that description. And if you're looking for reasons why this Harrison Barnes relationship might work out for the Kings, look no further than guys like Marvin Bagley or Bogdan Bogdanovich, two players that are good enough to start on a lot of teams they would start. And in this case, both players were coming in off the bench in favor of players that they were better than talent for talent. Like Marvin Bagley is a better player than Nemanja Bielitsa and Bogdan Bogdanovich was a better player than Iman Shumpert. But to Dave Yeager's credit, he got those guys to buy in and accept what might be perceived as lesser roles from the outside. And can he do the same with Harrison Barnes? It's definitely possible. In fact, you know, maybe it's even probable that Dave Yeager can convince Harrison Barnes that what's best for the team is less isolation, less usage, more passing, more spot-up shooting, more off-ball stuff, and less, you know, dribbling the ball out, less ball-stopping. That It's hard to do. It's hard to change the DNA of a player, especially when Harrison Barnes has been playing that way as the, the main man for the Mavericks for two and a half years now. It's hard to change. So you can't say that it's definitely going to work, but it's definitely possible that it that it could. And again, definitely worth seeing if it does work out because the price was so low and because the talent of Harrison Barnes is so high and the, the age is so perfect within what the Kings are looking for that really no-brainer to me in terms of giving this a real shot with Harrison Barnes. So that's kind of my initial thoughts on the Harrison Barnes trade and the Alec Burks trade. The Kings also traded Scalabissier to the Portland Trailblazers for Caleb Swanigan 
kind of a change of scenery move for both players. Swanigan is a kind of a more bruising power forward. Hustle guy, great energy. I think it was Sean Cunningham who put out a tweet shortly after that trade was announced um, that mentioned how high the Kings were on Swanigan prior to the draft that year. So Vlade Divac gets a chance to look at Swanigan again on their roster and they lose Scalabissier, which is unfortunate in that Scalabissier showed some real promise at certain points during his career, but it was pretty clear that his time in Sacramento was up. He just wasn't playing, and when he was playing, you didn't see the talent there that we saw early on in his career. So best of luck to Scal. I hope he figures it out. I'm skeptical that he will, but could not be rooting for Scalabissier more. And while I don't expect much from Caleb Swanigan, sure, you know, why not? Throw him Throw him on the roster as a depth piece. His contract is guaranteed for next season. After that, he has a team option, and the Kings will hold his uh, rights in restricted free agency if we get that far. They also waived Ben McLemore, and waiving McLemore leaves the Kings with two open roster spots, which is kind of interesting. It, it allows the Kings to be players in the buyout market, and they haven't been buyers in the buyout market in I don't even know how long, but you've already got some interesting names that have been bought out like Ennis Cantor and Robin Lopez and Wayne Ellington. There's been no rumor or anything that the Kings are interested in any of those players right now, but if the Kings want to do something with the bought out players, now they can. They've got two open roster spots. They can also bring up Troy Williams from Stockton, who the Kings signed this summer on a two-way contract. He played pretty well on the Kings while he was up, but his 45 days that the NBA allows two-way players to stay with the NBA club had expired or was just about to expire. So he's kind of been stuck in Stockton for the last few months. And now that Iman Shumpert and Justin Jackson aren't here anymore, Troy Williams does provide the Kings with some much-needed depth on the wing. And I think that would be a great way to use one of their two open roster spots. Troy Williams clearly fit in with this style and system while he was here. He wasn't fantastic, but he was pretty good. He was he was very serviceable. So if this means more Troy Williams, I think that's a good thing for the Kings. And that's going to do it for this short little trade deadline podcast today. We'll be back next week with a more in-depth look at what the Kings did at the deadline. And we'll have some games to talk about some new games with Harrison Barnes and Alec Burks and Caleb Swanigan I know Vlade Divac said in his press conference today that he expects both of them to play on Friday against the Miami Heat and uh like everyone listening to this right now I can't wait to see how that looks and and what happens so that's all for me thank you to everybody for listening and we'll see you next week on the Sacktown Royalty Show I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.